Hello and welcome to the Battle Line Podcast, this place where we have conversation on that collision of space between community, faith, and culture. I'm one of your hosts, Major Matt Satterley, and here with me is our co-host, our producer, our media manager, the one who makes this whole thing run, Elizabeth. Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I am so super swell. How are you? Doing great. We uh, finished up Christmas and New Year's, and if you could uh, sum up your Christmas and New Year's in one word, what would it be? Marvelous. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> um, our our other uh, co-host with us, uh, Major Jamie Satterley, is not on today. She has have other meetings and other things that she had to be a part of today that were very important. But you know, when you were playing baseball as a kid, you used to have Ghostman on first. So that's what we're going to say about Major Jamie Satterley today. Uh, Ghostman on first with us. Though so she's not here, she's here with us in spirit. So Elizabeth, you want to introduce our guest today? Absolutely. Today, we're speaking to April Foster from the Eastern Territory. April is the director of the Others program. If you've been around the Salvation Army, you've probably seen the products with the Others red tag on it. We're going to learn more about this program today. Uh, All right, April, please. uh, First question, tell everybody about yourself. Tell our listeners about um, who you are. How long have you been working uh, for the Salvation Army? My name is April, and I have uh, been born and raised in the Salvation Army. My parents are Salvation Army officers, so grew up in the Salvation Army, and uh, had the privilege uh, when I graduated from college of uh, serving overseas as a layperson with the Salvation Army. I started off in Jamaica teaching at a uh, Salvation Army school for the blind there, and um, one thing led to another. It wasn't really part of a, a big master plan, but ended up spending 29 years overseas with the Salvation Army um, from the Caribbean to then different places in Africa, um, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and then 20 years in Kenya. So awesome. And what is the origin story of others? How did it get started and how has it grown? I feel like with so many things in the Salvation Army and even going back to, you know, our beginnings with the booths, it really started with a vision of of a couple who were serving in Bangladesh at the time uh, from Norway. And they were seeing the the struggles of women, particularly women who were being trafficked and prostituted um, in, in the major cities of Bangladesh. And as the Salvation Army does, they began doing you know, the simplest first thing that they could do, um, providing um, support and, and counseling for the women, food support, daycare for their children, one thing kind of leading to another. And then there was a kind of critical moment where some of the women, you know, said it's all well and good that you're kind of teaching us these skills and giving us these, you know, different kinds of opportunities for literacy um, and supporting our children. But we really need a way to come out of this situation that we're in. And um, that was really the seed of the planting of what others would become. And from those skills of making handicrafts, they then began to look for markets to sell those products. Um, They set up a shop in Bangladesh. excuse me, they set up a shop in Bangladesh to sell those items. And then they began exporting those items. And one thing kind of led to another. But the the very origins were around a very deep and compelling human need, particularly among vulnerable women, and the presence of the Salvation Army in that place at the right time and ready to respond in the ways that they could. What were those first items that they were selling in uh, Bangladesh? 
Well, some of them we were actually just talking about a few minutes ago, just because embroidery is such a, a beautiful handicraft in Bangladesh. That's a traditional um, skill that's used in so many things. And so that was done on small purses, very intricate embroidery. And we still have many of those products, although different variations of that um, today, almost 20 years later, um, into the other story. And then there were also a lot of hand-woven wo um, traditional weaving and hand weaving um, is another skill in Bangladesh. And so a lot of bags and uh, scarves and other kinds of things that could be done on a hand loom that has gone on to be uh, include products made from wood. And um, yeah, so, but really starting with skills that the women had uh, building on those and then developing products that would be of interest to people in many different parts of the world. Sure. Um, I've seen your winter catalog, which looks fantastic. If any our listeners out there, um, you need to get a hold of this catalog and see. You really are helping people out around the world, helping women out around the world. So, April, ask uh, with we hear a lot of buzzwords in the world today, especially when it comes to this kind of when we come if you go to the website, you know, I know it's a, a, a lot of our listeners, we, you know, I'm going to say I'll say um, not that they are, but that it's easy to be like hipster, right? Like say something before it's cool. You know stuff about it before it's cool. So a lot if you go to the website, you see a lot of phrases and, and, and they're very important, like uh, fair trade, uh, sustainable growth for people who, who just sort of hear these buzzwords in the news today. Day and just don't quite understand what what is what does it mean fair trade what does like sustainable growth mean what can you can you put that into some like uh, layman's terms some perspective for us oh i'll try <laughs> <laughs> Fair, the fair trade movement really came out of a need, much like unions um, in, in our part of the world in the United States, to ensure that there was equitable treatment of, of workers, of, of artisans, of producers, um, and really started with that basic premise that um, people who are producing or growing products need to be paid fairly for those products. They need to be able to work in a safe environment and to create the lowest possible impact on the environment in a negative way. So kind of three of the main principles of fair trade. And then of course, you know, huge organization and, and guidelines and rules around that if you want to be certified as a fair trade organization which is really elevated, you know, products that everyone would know and love, coffee, um, if you go to Starbucks or chocolate, um, you know, some of these huge exporting items and all the way down to, um, you know, fair trade brands uh, that will be working with these kinds of principles in mind. I think for, for others, we... Um, we really have had, because of the presence of the Salvation Army uh, directly in the countries where our artisans are, we have been able to enter into something that's often referred to as a direct trade relationship. So there's no middle person. Um, we are directly connected to the artisans. Um, we are directly involved in the design of products. Products are directly sent to where they will be sold. Um, and so that kind of direct trade relationship builds a lot of um, accountability, a lot of uh, 
um, equity for people because everyone is invested in that process. We know each other. We have relationship with each other. And so there's transparency there that I think um, even goes beyond what is often possible in a more structured kind of fair trade certified um, kind of environment. So we're very proud of that direct trade relationship that we have um, with, with the others artisans in the countries that we work with. Sustainable growth for me, I, I think about if you're a gardener and you throw a lot of fertilizer, you know, on, on something and you see if it's a tomato plant, you know, it sprouts up or a bean plant. And sometimes when a plant grows too fast, it can topple over. Um, it needs some support and some, you know, things around it to help it to really be strong. And sustainable growth for me is really about making sure that the growth that happens, whether that's economic or social or environmental, is really um, has strong roots. And any growth that is possible, whether that's in someone improving their livelihood and the amount of income that they're able to earn, that that is able to continue into the future and passed on to the next generation without incurring debt or without creating harm to the environment um, or creating negative social impacts in terms of relationships within the community. So for me, that idea of what is sustainable is something that has strong roots, has the infrastructure to support it long-term uh, and grows at an appropriate rate that can be managed by the people who are responsible for that. Very cool. So if somebody buys something off the catalog, what, what kind of just, um, what happens after that? They purchase it. What's the, what's the good that comes out of that? Well, there's a whole process, as I've just mentioned, even before a product hits our catalog, we have a global um, designer who works directly with our artisan groups creating the products that you see. Those products go through uh, a a testing, you know, um, samples are made, those samples are sent, they're reviewed until they are approved as a final product to show up in our catalog. We're very proud of the high quality of all that we produce and the handcrafted elements. So even though something may look the same, if you look really closely, it's not exactly the same because it's being made by a person, not by a machine. And so by the time something lands in our catalog and people are able to purchase it here or in other parts of the world, um, you know, it, it's gone from the hands of an artisan. Um, it's been shipped to one of our, our, you know, warehouses here in the States or in Norway or in Canada. And as soon as you purchase that product, our artisans are paid uh, for every product as soon as we purchase them from, from them. Um, and then all of the um, resources that are, are gathered from the sale of those products go directly back into purchasing more products. And, you know, I'll share a story of some artisans a little bit later on in this conversation. But, you know, again, we're back to that direct trade relationship. So every purchase that you're making, there's no middle person, there's no other layers of, you know, support where that money is going. It's directly supporting the artisan um, that has made that product. And how many countries is others working with now? We're working with Bangladesh and Kenya. Um, and as I mentioned, we've been in Bangladesh for over 20 years. So there's really a long story there, generational change um, through the, the women uh, that are involved with others, which is a really amazing story um, to be part of. And then for the past uh, 10 years in, in Kenya, and we have um, just over 700 artisans in Kenya 
um, uh, over uh, 800 artisans in Bangladesh um, who are active producing others' products in those two locations. And so we're very proud of, of these, these countries that are helping women to stand and be independent um, and have a level of economic security that otherwise they wouldn't have. I think you're exactly right, April. I think that people here in the, in the States probably have, uh, I would say like a, maybe a vague idea about what others does, but let's hear, we want to hear the stories. Can you tell us a few success stories of how you have seen in your time with others, how you've seen it just change lives, change future, give hope. Tell us, tell us those stories, please. Absolutely. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you one that was very impactful for me. I was, you know, privileged to be able to start others in Kenya while I lived there, and was very hands-on with all of the groups as they were initially forming. And there was a woman. Uh, her name is Magdalene, and she was a, a member of one of the, the groups that we started there, making uh, some of our um, products from recycled paper. And as she was learning to make those products and began to make some income, you know, we would always have conversation uh, with her about what she was saving money for and what she was doing with the income that she was earning. And, you know, she would say things like so many of the women, I'm sending my children to school, I'm, you know, paying the rent on my house, I'm, you know, making sure our health, you know, if there were any health concerns in the family that those were being taken care of. And then one day I remember asking Magdalene, you know, what are you saving now, you know, for from the income that you're making? And she, she said, I'm saving money for a door to my house. And I wasn't sure I had really, you know, uh, heard her correctly. And so I, I <laughs> sure. you know, asked again, you know, so what, what do you mean you're saving for a door for your house? And she said, yeah, you know, I, I don't have a permanent door. You know, we don't have a permanent door on our home. It's very insecure and someone always has to be there. And my immediate response, and we were with a group of women, I was with the leader of that, that group. And my immediate response, like, so many of us, even if you're hearing the story was, you know, I wanted to take the money out of my pocket. That <laughs> for sure. For sure. And give it to Magdalene to buy that door to put on her house. Like this was like totally an un, you know, acceptable situation. And so I spoke to the leader of the group and, and I said, this is what I wanted to do. And this is that pivotal mo moment for me. And she said, just wait and see what Magdalene does. And it was very hard to wait. And, you know, any of us who, you know, see these kinds of needs and we want, you know, and it's not bad, that first response to be just to solve, you know, that problem that's in front of us. And, um, and so we waited and some weeks went by and, um, maybe it was the next month or the month after that, um, we got an invitation from Magdalene to go to her home. So the whole group of women, we trekked off um, to her home. And as we approached, uh, she, you know, came down the path to meet us and she escorted us to her home. And as we got there, um, she opened the door that she had bought um, to her home and invited us in. Now, that day for me is so deeply like etched in my mind because um, as we sat with Magdalene, it was so clear that um, the pride that she felt in having accomplished working for and purchasing um, this door for her home was was contagious. I mean, and neighbors were coming by, and, <laughs> you know, she had somehow gained, you know, a, a level of respect in the community. And 
it taught me a very important lesson that sometimes um, the desire to help, of course, is never wrong. But the way that we help um, can sometimes put, make people more vulnerable. It can take away their dignity. It can take away their sense of accomplishment or their desire to plan and to work towards uh, goals that they have. And I think when I learned that from Magdalene, it just reinforced, again, my love for what others represents because it's not a handout. It's not charity. It is a genuine partnership where people are making beautiful things with their hands that we're able to enjoy when we purchase them and we become part of that story. And it kind of symbolically for me just spoke to that idea of a door of opportunity and and others really provides that kind of door of opportunity. And when I think about the hundreds of women who are part of others, uh, that they're sending their children to school, they are you know, building homes, they're buying land, they're purchasing assets um, that are part of that sustainable development, not just for the now, but for the future. Um, all of that is part of the other story. And I'm just so, so proud that the Salvation Army is part of this kind of ministry. That's an incredible story, April. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a listener among us who's hearing this right now who has to worry that they don't have a door on their house or their apartment. And so others is is making that possible, not just to uh, get a door, but also to build that pride um, and that respect that comes from that. Anything else? Any other story, April, you've heard of uh, just life change that you'd love to share with us and with our listeners? I mean, I have had the privilege to um, be in Bangladesh often and accompany in, in this place where others, others began. And there's a woman that I met there. Her name is Lucky. Um, kind of symbolic in uh, so many ways as you kind of, you know, hear more of her story. Um, she was a young woman who came through a Salvation Army program uh, for, for vulnerable women. And uh, she learned skills uh, to create products for others. And here was this woman who had, um, you know, been so vulnerable and um, just almost no hope in her life until she met the Salvation Army. And, and then that really changed her story. And when we visited Lucky, I, I went to her home, um, sat in her home, and she was holding her two children and she was talking about the businesses that she had started um, from the income that she earned from others. She had multiple sewing machines um, in her in her room and and she had hired other women who were busy um, making things. Her husband had been able to buy a small motorcycle and had a trans, small transport business. But you could just see this woman whose total life uh, story was changed because of an encounter with the Salvation Army and her involvement with others that she took that beyond not just starting her own small business, but employing other women and being part of their change story. And so I'd love that about others as well. You know, we talk about the individual artisan. But this is really about a story of family and community change, where the income that's earned by that one person just has a ripple effect um, to the people around them. And I love the story of Lucky because she just uh, embodies that um, that value of others uh, so beautifully. That's great. Thank you so much. Well, all right. We want to know how to help. 
Well, definitely go to our, our website, www.tradeforhope.com, and you will see um, icons there for different countries where you can directly purchase products uh, that are listed on that website and learn more about who we are. And then follow us on social media, Instagram, at Others USA, and on Facebook, um, Others USA. You'll see stories of our artisans. You'll get glimpses of the newest products coming out. Um, you'll have opportunities to engage um, with questions. Many of our artisans follow us on social media. So when you comment on a product that you like or a story that you like, um, <laughs> they're awesome. reading that. And so I think that's just such a cool space um, to not only, you know, see something that others is doing, but to engage often directly with our artisans um, who are also on those spaces as well. So um, follow our story, um, follow us on social media, purchase products when you can. They make great gifts uh, for yourself, for your family, for your friends, uh, for a ministry that you're part of. And um, we'd love, love to have you join the Others family. Yeah. Core officers out there. I know like we talk about advisory board gifts or core gifts each year, um, but it doesn't just have to be that. And I know that we've just passed Christmas, but I mean, there are just, there are just great birthday gifts, things that you can give for, uh, you know, just they're practical gifts, which is always very much appreciated and needed. And look, you'll be buying things for lucky. You'll be getting lucky, uh, and, and Bangladesh, some, uh, again, some, uh, some just building in that, that God, uh, given pride in what you do. And then also a door. Jeez. I mean, those are the things that, uh, we sometimes don't think about April. Um, we're going to ask you our last question that we ask all of our guests here in a second, but before we do that, I want to give you the mic. Do you have anything you want to say to our listeners, anything else you want to tell them about others? Um, before we uh, before we ask you our last question, uh, there's a quote that I love, and it says that um, you know we we cast a vote for the world we want to see with every dollar that we spend, and so I think whether it's through others or you know other kinds of ethical or fair trade brands for different kinds of products that you purchase, um, being intentional about uh, imagining the life of the person behind the product that you're purchasing and uh, doing what you can to really support these values of um, people's fair treatment uh, for wages, uh, for safe working environment, for um, not not polluting the environment that they live in. And when we choose to spend our money in a place that has those values, um, it really does make a difference. And so I would encourage everyone, even if it's just, you know, buying that fair trade coffee, buying that fair trade chocolate, you know, purchasing an item from an ethical fair trade brand like others, um, it, it does make it a difference, not only for that individual, but but for the world that we live in. I've always kind of heard it said, like when people say, how do I start, you know, caring about uh, these things around the world? And that's just to, I heard somebody once say, pray for the country of, on the tag of your clothes, right? So like, as you, as you are, uh, you know, putting on your shirt for this morning and it says made in, in Bangladesh or made in Haiti or something like that, um, you, you just start praying for them. And we're going to pray for all these countries that others is working in as well. Again, trade for hope. Dot com. Check them out. Get a hold of that catalog. Uh, it's 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 a, one of the best. Like I'm, it's an amazing catalog. I was floored with just how the the design and layout of it is brilliant. So well done uh, to that as well. All right, last question. We're going to go around the horn here. Is what is giving you joy uh, in your life? We have just crossed into a new year, 2022. The big chalkboard eraser. Ee -ee. 
And now we have a new uh, clean slate uh, to work with. So, Elizabeth, what is giving you joy as we start 2022? It's a new year, but it is old jeans. I am bringing back my boot cut. <laughs> That's cool. This this is where I need Major Jamie because I'm sure she would be like, oh, yeah, boot cut jeans. I totally know. But I'm just over here like, oh. Well, they're hip with the youth, so I wanted to bring it back so I could, you know, maintain my youth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, April, how about you, man? What's giving you joy as you go into this new year? The outdoors. I During COVID, I've become an even bigger fan of being outside, often because that was the only <laughs> right? thing that you could do. <laughs> during the past couple of years. Um, but I've grown to love it. Hiking, um, taking up camping awesome. and even camping through the winter, which my friends think I'm absolutely crazy. But I tell you, get outdoors. Uh, it's the best thing you can do um, just to clear your mind, to see the beauty of God's creation. It's been, you know, such a refreshing thing uh, for me. And I'm looking forward to doing more and more of it uh, this year. April, I've heard that. I, you know, I'm not a huge camper, but we've camped enough. And I've heard people say the best time to camp is when is in the winter. Is in the because no get to one see, else is around. Yeah, yeah, you get to see the like the sky because of the dry air. You can see more stars than you usually do. But the problem is it's freezing cold outside. <laughs> <laughs> so that's are there's you a nothing, national? There's nothing like too cold. It's just not the right clothing. Yeah. Yes, that's good. That's good. Are you a national park uh, visitor? Are you one of those who uh, people? I know it's getting more and more popular of people trying to hit all of the national parks. I would love love to do that. I've hit a, hit a couple, but we have so many beautiful state parks. So check out your local area. You don't have to go far to find some really great spaces. Um, so get out and explore. For sure. Uh, for me, I think what's giving me joy is I just finished Disney Plus Hawkeye. So um, is it giving me joy? I mean, I guess so. It was a good watch. Um, Hawkeye is one of those guys. He's one of those Avengers who people just make fun of. He doesn't get enough credit for what he does. So he got his own show and uh, everybody I've heard that watched it said, Hey, I really like that. So uh, give a, a, what's giving me joy is a, a, a heartfelt applause to the little guy out there the overlooked. So, all right. Well, Thank you very much, April, for uh, talking with us today. Again, go to tradeforhope.com. Purchase the other's products. Anytime you see that red tag, you are just supporting people around the world and doing the most good, really. So thank you, April, for being on with us. We appreciate having you on. That's going to end this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. So be sure to subscribe to the Battle Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the Peer website at peermag.org or follow Peer on the socials at peer.magazine. All right. Well, thank you again, April. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Ghost Man on First, Major Jamie, wherever you are. And thank you, listeners, for being out there and checking us out. Check out others, tradeforhope.com. Until next time, this has been the Battle Line Podcast. Bye. Bye.